I don't know. I just I could just see a scenario where it just all opens up at once for this for this franchise and these fans. Did you get into the break into the mini fridge on the free press's dime? Because you're saying it's the first time in 70 years, it's all going to line for the Lions. No, I'm not saying that knocks. at all. I'm saying, wouldn't it be just like this? No, it wouldn't be just like the Lions. Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, Carlos, I'm sorry that I'm coming to you from the road. Yet again, but I promise. No, you're not sorry. No, I am. I'm ready to come home, man. I've been. Uh, look, I don't want to complain. Uh-huh. I want. I don't want to sound like you. First of all, and be uh, ungrateful. <laughs> but uh, but I have been out. I have been out for a bit. You know, the NCAA tournament, um, Michigan basketball, Michigan State basketball. Now the Tigers in spring training. Um, as I sit here from my uh-huh. uh, my room in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, you're sweet. No, it's a room. I think. Uh, well, actually, Michigan's women's basketball team got awfully close. When they played Louisville in their regional final um, to upsetting Louisville, they came within a couple of points, three minutes left or so, and I was thinking, okay, I am not going home. I'm going Thursday. I'm going to go. At the oh day. yeah, today I should say right. I was headed to Minneapolis mm-hmm. for the yep. for the final yep. four, and that would have been uh, that would have been fun. But no, they, they they fell a little bit short. So I am going to finally come home, Carlos, and I get to see you in person at some point. I hope. No, no, Sean, you love this. This is just this whole sports writing thing is just an excuse for you to pad your uh, Delta miles and your Marriott points. Let's just let's just be let's be truthful, okay? We're journalists. Let's be let's tell the truth. No, it has nothing to do with it. it, it these are assignments from our mm-hmm. uh, from our editor Kirkland Crawford. Do you think it's okay that we mention him before we do on Jeanette? Is that going <gasps> to is that going to upset the We're universal? Gonna, there, there's going to be some uh, some uh, wrist slapping here for the, for not okay. mentioning Ajanette first. Okay. Well, we're we're going to speaking of slapping, we'll talk about uh, that toward the end of the show. The slap heard around the world the other night from uh, somewhere in Los Angeles uh, from the Oscars uh, party. Look, I don't want to you know you, I'm sure you got lots of uh, insight and jokes, and I can't wait to hear all that. That'll be more towards the end of the show. But uh, and we're going to obviously talk about the Tigers. That's why I'm here um, because I want to hear your thoughts too, Carlos. There's a lot of hope and. Expect some expectation and 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 all of that. We got a couple of young guys that uh, may be coming up with them. We'll see. And uh, Spencer Torkelson and and Riley Green. You know, it's been a while since Detroit has had. I mean, I don't know, man. We we can, we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to that point. But just this idea of some of these young, young promising players in all four pro teams, especially the the, the Wings, the Tigers, and and the Pistons. It's uh, it's bubbling up a little bit. You know, Detroit may have a, a, a moment on the on the field to play, but over the last couple of days, Carlos, they had their moment in what the national media in what with with the NFL draft, with the Lions getting on the HBO's Hard Knocks. I mean, what's what's going on? What's going on with Detroit right now? Well, what's going on is that they've been lobbying to get some events. You know, the, the Detroit Sports Commission and. And the Lions have been uh, trying to land some big events. They've had some things. They had uh, the NCAA Wrestling Championships, Sean, uh, for which some of my friends in the media gave me some guff for not going there because I'm a, I'm a wrestling guy. You probably don't know that about me, but uh, I used to cover it the back WWE? in the day. WWE? No, no, no. Real co- collegiate, collegiate Olympic wrestling. wrestling. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes back goes back centuries, okay? Um, uh, more than that, actually. So... 
Yeah, but 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 this is one of the big events. You know, the the NFL draft is moving around. It's in Vegas this year, I believe. It's in Kansas City next year, and then in twenty four, we're going to get uh, the NFL draft coming here. To I think it's going to be mostly based in Campus Martius, but it's going to different events are going to be staged throughout the city at Ford Field, at uh, maybe Little Caesars Arena. I'm not sure exactly all the venues. It's going to be hammered out. They're going to be fireworks. It's going to be it's a carnival like you know experience. So it's something for people to get excited about. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different reports about the economic impact, you know, somewhere north of a $100 million economic impact. But we have to remember, you have to temper this excitement. I know, Sean, I know you're just a cheerleader booster for Detroit and for all things, uh, you know, sports in Detroit. But there is a cost to that. And we had a really good piece in the in the paper today, in the free press, not today, but... One of these, after the announcement was made, Adrian Roberts and uh, Dave Boucher from the Free Press wrote, talked to different people. Um, I think it was a professor at Michigan and some other people talking about how, you know, sometimes the cost benefit isn't really there, you know, for the visitors who come in and spend the money. Not that much of it is really seen in actual spending dollars. There's also the city has to pay for things like, you know, traffic control and other infrastructure things. So, um, it's not, it's not just a, you know, 100%, the money's on our pockets. We're all going to get rich doing this. It's all just going to be good. There's a, there's a cost to doing this, but at the end of the day, it does raise the profile of Detroit, maybe the lions possibly, but definitely the city, more people get to come in and hopefully that leads to, to bigger things for the city and the people here. Well, just imagine the shots, you know, the crane shots or the, uh, what are the little things like, I, forgive me, Carlos, I'm, I'm uh, having a little brain fart here. The drones, the drone shots, right? Drones. Over, 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 over uh, crane shots is like 90, sorry. Over the, over the campus, over campus marshes, you know, because it's, it's really pretty spectacular, right? You imagine a sea of people down there and all, and all those intro and outro shots coming in and out of the draft. Uh, you know, people are going to say, wow, what, that's Detroit. Where are they? And I, you know, I know that's loaded and that's complicated, but uh, just in a real simple way, a lot of the country is going to see um, Detroit from a, a different perspective, and that's not, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, we're going to be in the spotlight for the three days of the draft for sure. Um, you know, that'll help. The, the national media will descend all, you know, touting the city, and it's going to be the – it's going to be the revitalization of Detroit, all this stuff. I mean, you, you have friends in the media, I do, in the national media, and, you know, I've, I've shown them around Detroit, and I've always been careful to tell them, you know, for all the for all the talk about the, the you know, renaissance of Detroit and all that, it's, that's all well and good. But, you know, I always remember what Drew Sharp told me about this and what we talked about, and I've tried to reiterate that to national media who come in, is uh, it's, it's there's a difference between downtown Detroit and having the glam – you know, as you said, the drone shots, the beauty shots and all the stuff that's cool downtown. But then on the fringes of the city where a lot of the real people of Detroit live, you can still drive through the city and see a lot of despair, a lot of ruin, a lot of, you know, the communities that have been fractured um, that still haven't come back. You know, the the economy hasn't really come back to help those people as much as it could have. Um, so I always I always want to temper this just a little bit with some realism for the people who live here. Um, and that make sure that, you know, as, as much of the story is told, not just, oh, wow, great. Look at all these amazing, you know, restaurants and the vibe downtown. Let's, let's tell a more complete story if we can. Yeah. You mean it's not, it shouldn't all be centered on young white people living downtown. Uh, no offense to our <laughs> producer, by the way. <laughs> is it, is it, right. I mean, that's kind of, yeah. 
I mean, that's the point, yeah, right? Well, I mean, w- 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 no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely it right. It has to, and, and you know, Drew and I talked about this, and it has to start somewhere. You know, that's the thing is, is where does it start? What does it lead to? Um, and it's it's something to feel good about for sure. You know, it's something. It's it's. I mean, I lived here before this happened, before the revitalization happened, and there wasn't a lot to get happy about going downtown Detroit. You know, the casinos for a little while, but there wasn't that much. And now it's a fun place to go to. There's a lot of stuff to see in downtown Detroit. It hasn't spread as much no. as you would have hoped out to the edges of the city, but but it has to start somewhere. And you know, part of it too is. Sometimes it's a little bit of perception, right? If you if you tell if you have national media coming in and telling the story of wow, Detroit's a cool place. It's much different than I would have thought. It's like kind of more like Chicago or whatever. Uh, maybe that helps with the reputation. You know, I mean, it's it, reputation is perception, really. In a lot of cases, people don't go that deep, so maybe that will help. Um, I, I don't see it as a negative, really. You know, I, I wrote a column that you didn't read, Sean, um, about the Lions and all this, and saying that. Uh, uh, let's not forget above all else. Even though Did anybody is, read it? I doubt it. I think your stuff kept getting pushing my thing down. So you were writing the the nice soft features about all the hope the the Tigers have. In well, Florida, that's what but, you do in spring training, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you wouldn't, of course. But no, no, no. I know. I know you criticize Jeff Seidel for doing it, but it's okay when you do it. Um, no. So, so it's you know that the point is that the the Lions are not getting better because of this. There's no direct you know through line from having this the draft and having hard knocks. I don't know if we mentioned that yet, but them being on hard knocks, that's not going to make the team any better. You know. So in the absence of actually making the team better, they're making moves that. You know, raise the profile of the city, raise the profile of the team, maybe make some money, whatever it might be, um, you know, increase the, you know, the, the, the influence that the the Lions and their executives have in ownership. But are we going to see that bear fruit on the field for the Lions this year or next year? Probably not. It's, I don't think it's going to it's going to translate. So uh, but nice moment, right? It's a good moment. Something to feel good about. And Hard Knocks, I know you're a big fan of the HBO reality series. So you're going to be glued to your TV this this training camp, right? You know, I don't. That's a that's uh, a good question, Carlos. I've not watched Hard Knocks in a while, <gasps> but um, I would think it would be pretty fun with Dan Campbell, right? I mean, I mean, that's kind of the 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 natural place to go to, you know. And it, I mean, he's fun just in his press conferences, but let alone back in the the halls of the Allen Park or the headquarters and hit the offices and the film rooms and all that. It's uh, you would think that he's going to be himself. And forget the cameras are there. Maybe, maybe, maybe not completely, but um, and, that, and that should make for a compelling television. I think the other thing about you know the hard knocks I, part of this is the you're, you. That's a really good point about. It. Of course, it's not going to make them better or not. The, the draft wouldn't it be interesting though if they did just get better on their own if they're on the right track finally, and these hap- these things are happening simultaneously, and all of a sudden the Lions become the it team like they they get this hip factor. You know, I mean, I mean, you could you could see that coming. I, what? I'm not saying it would you come. You can? No, I'm not saying it will come. But I mean, that no, but that would just be like that would be like how life is sometimes. All this suffering and pain around the fandom and being and, and of the unrequited love of this team, and all of a sudden, you know, 60, 70 years, whatever. All of a sudden, it opens up and disappears. <laughs> and not only are they playing games. But all, but, but they have this uh, affable, endearing quality about them that that started with the hard knocks and wow, th- this is the city they're in. We got to rethink this city because of the because of the uh, the draft. Now, obviously, that's way over the top. And your point about the issues in the neighborhoods is a great one. And it's something that is as Metro Detroiters, 
you know, we, we need to talk about more and we all struggle with a little bit and where funds go and the school systems and all that stuff that's a lot more important day to day. But um, I don't know. I just I could just see a scenario where it just all opens up at once for this for this franchise and these fans. Um, because hard knocks teams traditionally, Carlos, uh, they don't do so well, right? They do hard knocks and they're they're picking a, they're the fourth or fifth spot the following year in the draft. Um, I don't know that that's true necessarily. I was kind of looking at this just just not too seriously yesterday when I was writing the column that you didn't read, and and it was uh it, it, they actually some of the teams did pretty well. You know, they're the the team is not um the team usually is picked because they're they're not super good. That's right. Um, that's right. So that's I don't think there's any any um you know corollary necessarily from going from hard knocks to being bad or being good the next year. Um, but I do love your op, Sean. I want to know what you're drinking or what what exactly did you get into the break into the mini fridge on the free press's dime? Because you're saying in, the first time in 70 years it's all going to line for the Lions. No, I'm not saying that knocks. at all. I'm saying wouldn't it be just like this? No, it wouldn't be just like the Lions. No, it would be. No, it's like it's no, no. It would be no, but like life, not like the Lions. It wouldn't it be just like because the suffering can't last forever. Right, I mean, at some <laughs> there have point, been generations of men who've died. No, I understand that. I understand that, but we can't. You know, the concept of infinity, right? Come on, man. So, <laughs> like when the Red Sox, after torturing their fan base for a hundred years or whatever it was, finally won the World <laughs> Series. Dude, they didn't just win the World Series; they beat the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. They were down three games to one, right, and came back. And I don't know if a team had done that before. Maybe I don't remember the particulars, but. The way they beat the Yankees in the comeback fashion, and exercised all that—it it, was—it was a not a séance. What's the an exorcism? I guess right. An exorcism. And then and then went <laughs> on to win and then went on to win the World Series. But the way that all went down was like the perfect scenario to lift the hundred-year curse of the Bambino, a hundred-year plus or whatever. I could just see a a scenario where maybe that maybe that happens here. I'm not saying it will happen, but wouldn't that just be? The way it all happens, not only are the Lions going to get good, but they're going to get good in this larger context of attaching to the city, and they're going to become not a one-year wonder, but like the, the, the darlings of the NFL. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it will happen. I mean, I, you could, know what? Could you see that happening? I, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rescind that comment. I'm so sorry, sorry Sean. Not, I'm not talking about the mini-fridge. I'm asking who were you driving behind who was vaping something down in Florida? Because uh, I think this problem is a little more serious. Listen, listen, here's the thing, right? Look, look, you know, I, I, I like Dan Campbell. Everybody likes Dan Campbell. Nice guy. I don't know Brad Holmes. Great. Uh, the, the jury's kind of out. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he has good intentions. But look at all the other pro teams when they've made their recently, right? Uh, you know, under Jim Leland, the Tigers, and they get to the World Series. Larry Brown and the Pistons and the going to work, the uh, uh, Scotty Bowman and then Mike Babcock. They've had established coaches with success coming in and turning. A.J. Hinch is possibly that next guy. Established. Where did Dan Campbell come from? You know, I mean, he was an assistant head coach. He was a tight ends coach. Really nice guy. And you know what, Sean? I'm I'm with you, man. I would like that to happen. I'd like Dan Campbell. I mean, I'd like him to, I, I like his honesty and I always I'm think that I'm not saying it's going to happen, my man. I'm just saying wouldn't it be wouldn't it be just no. the way it goes for not just to win, but to have no. uh have this sort of place in the culture to win. Like, you know, the, I mean like the bad boys when they broke through, they 
they did their own thing. And they, you know, they, Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn with the black gloves and the sunglasses crushing basketballs and the posters. <laughs> and, right? I mean, the, the, the going to work crowd didn't capture the imagination of, of anybody outside our, uh, our area. Like uh, with Ben Wallace, as good as those as good as those teams were, right? But it, it just it seems to me if we're gonna if we're gonna get out from under seventy years of misery, more or less, it would be poetic if it happened in a way that was culturally relevant outside of Michigan. That's all I'm trying to say. I don't know. Of course, it's, I'm sure it's not going to happen. But if it did, wouldn't that be something? It would be something. It would be nice. Um, I, I'm not going to hold my breath on that, but it would. You're right. It would absolutely be nice if it all happened. If it all coalesced and converged, and you know, we all lock arms and sing kumbaya. It we would wouldn't awesome. know what happened. We wouldn't know how to write about it. We wouldn't know. We right. We would think, yeah. okay, God, the the Earth is. Yeah, no, something's not right. Stop spinning, and we would just all float away, and that would be the end of life. And I guess that'd be fine. <laughs> you know, if 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 you know. So what if you don't get to would have the Super fine? Bowl parade? You won that. You won the Super Bowl, and you did it in a way that, uh, like, okay, yeah, Detroit's the the cultural center of the United States, which makes it the cultural center of the universe, uh, the universe uh, according to a lot of people who love this country. <laughs> For folks that hate the country like you do, I, I you know, maybe not. But uh, look, I, I I don't know. Who knows? We're just being just being silly. But it is a good moment. It doesn't solve any uh, any of the the deeper stuff you were talking about that you know we need to keep working at. But. Um, but for what it is, yeah, he's going to put them in positions uh, yes. to, to give them a chance. I love and both. And then it'll be up to them, of course. But it's just the, the way he teaches, what he stresses, um, the way he manages the game, just the, the way he carries himself. I mean, he's <laughs> – yeah, he's really good. And, uh, they're they're going to be coming north soon up uh, up y'all's way. Uh, the, I hope you hear that, Todd. I hope you're paying attention to this. But, uh, the, yeah, the, the baseball season is going to start here soon. But in any case, let's, uh, let's let Todd – son tad work his magic on a break here pay for a little bit uh i don't know got sponsors or something and we will be right back my name is carrie jr the second i'm a podcast producer and reporter with the detroit free press and now the host of freep's new weekly podcast on the line our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, let's get into your favorite sport. These these Detroit Tigers. My favorite sport. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball. These Detroit Tigers. You're the you're the one who's you're the one who's down there driving all over Florida and eating food eating and food. Well, most of us food and watching a few most Tigers of us games. Eat food. I wouldn't call it fancy food. I had uh, nachos from Chili's uh, restaurant last night for dinner. So is that fancy to you? No. I want to see those receipts because I do not believe that. No, I actually have a secret uh, guilty pleasure for those particular nachos, the way they layer the beans. But they're cheap and they're not good for you, and it's across <laughs> the street from where I'm staying at a little 
strip mall kind of an area but to, no it's it's look i'm not complaining i'm just it's not the five-star way you go to florida right oh oh yeah 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 and i haven't had a conch fritter at all but i'll <laughs> i will try to get one before i come home i did have some peel and eat shrimp how about that that's the best i got for you at this point what's the big place is it harry's or something um there's a place that they all go i went down there a couple times oh in uh, lakeland yeah, in Lakeland. Oh, like a steak, steak and seafood place. I don't know that I've ever, ever been there. I like yeah, going. I've got a really a long time uh, friend in Tampa. He's retired now. I worked with a newspaper in Alabama with him, and and he he's retired here, and he and his wife, and he's his father um, moved from Cuba, so my friend is Cuban American, but um, we go to Ybor City, which is a little Cuban section of Tampa. And eat at little little set of little kind of not shacks but uh, real simple places there. Not simple is the wrong word too. I can't even think of the right word. Carl's anyway, it's delicious. That so that that's fun to do too. But uh, you know, and and inexpensive. You know, in case anybody's listening who monitors the corporate uh uh-huh. corporate account, you know. But it's it, uh, Harry's. Harry's. Harry's, okay. Harry's did, did you look that up? Yeah, I just, Harry's Seaf- Seafood Bar and Grill, just right downtown. Okay, well, for those of you that uh, come down to Lakeland, yeah, listen to Carl's. That's a good suggestion. By the way, this is, so, wow, this is a riveting segment. We're we're really getting off to a good start here. <laughs> Look, man, let's talk about uh, let's talk about baseball. I want to hear what you think about this this team. Uh, should uh, Carlos? Uh, yeah, no, Carlos should definitely make the team. Should Should Spencer Torkelson or Riley Green <laughs> make the team? Do you think they are going to make the team? And um, and just what are your expectations for this season? I don't know. I haven't been down there watching them. I've seen a little bit on TV and um, follow the free press. Obviously, really great coverage from Evan Petzold as we had him last week on the on the on the show. Um, some really good stuff. Um, yeah, I think I think what Evan said was was what I would think is that Riley Green will make the team out of camp. Torkelson, I don't think will right off the bat, and especially. Um, another consideration they're trying to think about right now that um, is having a, a third catcher, um, and that would be Cal State Fullerton product Dustin Garneau, journeyman. Always comes back to Fullerton. That's it's the cradle of champions, man. What do you want? You can't blame it. You know, facts. Sean. I thought you were gonna say the, the the cradle of civilization. By the way, as a little sidebar note, Cal State Fullerton. The baseball team they're coming to ann arbor to play michigan i think it's the first time they've ever come to michigan and i was all excited to go it's like in a couple weeks and wouldn't you know that's the weekend i'm going my wife and are going on a college trip to chicago with one of my daughters so <laughs> and uh i can be a little negative sometimes sean you don't know this about me but um no i don't and yeah. clearly your priorities are all messed up <laughs> Your do- let your daughter hey, hey. and your, your your wife have a, a trip on their own. I was, Come on. Hey, man, I was a Cal State Fullerton grad or, or fan before I was married or had kids. So you, that's – that's Exactly. Okay. They should understand that. But I can only come plus back – they probably, they probably don't, want you, they don't want you there anyway. Yeah, they're probably right? telling me just, you know what, I'm, they're probably going to be not too heartbroken if I stay back and go watch baseball for three days. But Yeah, your wife will leave a can of SpaghettiOs <laughs> in the counter. It'll be in the cabinet. It'll be great. Yes. You can feed yourself. You can heat it over – a. A little butane. No, spaghettios are great. Yeah, I haven't yeah. had them in a long time, but yeah, 
Um, but, yeah. Uh, so in any case, no, dude, it's it's different. Let me just tell you real quick. It, it is different. The players, you know, I was talking to Akil Badu the other day for a column I wrote, which I'm sure you didn't read. But that's oh, I wrote. I read um, it. I read all the hope. Nobody brimming no, with hope. Nobody, Sean. nobody reads it. No, I was curious because you know, a guy like Akil, but when when players do what he did last year, kind of come from. you don't want to say come from nowhere because they're coming from somewhere, but and capture the fans the way he did, especially in April. And um, the, the way the, the joy and the, the verb and all that that he plays with, and becomes a I mean sensation is too strong a word, but he became he was insane. a figure oh, yeah. that people l- like to watch right immediately. Oh, and yeah. when you, so when you jump on the stage that quickly, right? Then what do you do for an encore? How do you come back that next year? You know what I mean? You've been you know toiling away, injuries all that in the minor leagues for several years, and then boom, you jump up on the stage, and then so how do you follow that up, Carlos? I mean that that's kind of what I wrote about a little yeah. bit but I'm curious what you think. Yeah. I mean now I mean you 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 talked about that you know well in your column um was now the challenge is you know he doesn't have the pressure of trying to make the team out of camp. Now the pressure is he's got to be a productive everyday player, you know. Um That's right. And that, that's a different, you know, baseball's different that way and that roles change, the seasons are long, uh expectations change especially for, you know, newer younger players whatever. Um, so they're gonna, there's gonna be expectation out of you know from Akil Badu, and he's got to be a little bit more. I uh, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I think he could improve on a little bit of his fundamentals and fielding, probably get a little bit more yep, yep. Um, sound that way. Um, but he's fun, man. He was the he was the breakout star from last year. He was so fun to watch. Everybody rooted for him. Came out of like you said, you know, oh yeah, nobody. <laughs> he's always like out of nowhere, but this guy's been, you know, just working at his craft for ten years or whatever. Is you know, yeah, right. Like so, to him, it's not out of nowhere. To, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, but yeah, it's funny the perspective. Yeah, and I, and that's the thing in in, in baseball. Um, you know, I know your other favorite sport, golf. Um, it, it's kind of the same thing where you're. It's all toiling away in the details and the yep. technical parts of yep. it, and his, you know, the batting and the the fielding and all that other stuff. And and you know, there's going to be a better book on him. I, I don't know what the stats were. I'm sure that maybe his stats declined a little bit. I mean, he got off to such a ripping hot start. Yeah, he wasn't going to maintain that. No, no, he struggled against lefties. I mean, a lot, right? I mean, the, yeah. If, he, if, if the difference between righties and lefties is tremendous, and as AJ Hinch, the manager, said. Yesterday, the day before, um, he if he wants to be the everyday leadoff hitter, which is what they want him to be, he's going to have to learn how to hit lefties at least to some degree. Yeah, yeah, you have to. And uh, you know, so 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 the question is, what is the to me? I'm not to get away from from Akil necessarily. That you know, we can come back. No, but, we can. No. But what is the vibe down there? I mean, you're I, between your between your four star meals and your your penthouse, uh, you know, situation at the hotel. When you've been in the clubhouse, what what is the clubhouse like now? I mean, I haven't been in the clubhouse in years. So, what's the vibe around the team? What do you, what do you get well, down there? You know, and I may write about this uh, Sunday a little bit, but just not that anybody cares. So maybe that's exactly why I write about it because <laughs> I have no sense of what people want to read. No, in, in all seriousness. I walked into the clubhouse yesterday because I had to talk to Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson and a couple other players. And Carlos, I, I got in there and, I, and then I stopped. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I had not been in any kind of locker room or clubhouse in two plus years. And it was strange yeah. to just walk up to a player. Now, we had masks on, but the players didn't. But we, to walk up and just kind of have a conversation. I had a conversation with Riley Green about, about pressure and all that. But 
But earlier, um, in the way it works in spring training, sometimes you know a lot of the veterans don't play. You know, they want to get a certain amount of bats in, so then they leave the game in the sixth, seventh inning, whatever. And then you meet him down outside the clubhouse and talk, and that's where I talked to Akil Badu, and he was talking about how different the vibe was this year from a year ago because they know they are good enough to at least compete for a wild card. Whether they'll do it or not is a different story, but they have that understanding about themselves. And so he said it's so interesting just the way guys carry themselves and interact and the and the tone that's in the clubhouse. Not that it was bad a year ago, but athletes are, you know, fans have expectations and fans get upset sometimes when they're they think they're being realistic and we're not being realistic enough for the or the teams themselves. But players obviously know, right, Carlos? They understand when they have a team that can compete and when they don't. And they knew last year they didn't. And they were working on other things. So that'd be the biggest difference that the players are talking about, you know, and some of the some of the coaches I've talked to, some of the guys like Jack Morris and and Jim Leland are kind of around the around the team. They all point to the same thing to them. Can the young pitching take the step? Because that's really the key, you know, with Tariq School Schoolboy Matt, Matt Matt Manning and uh, and of course Casey Mize. But can those young guys take the step? Yeah, that, that is the question is what kind of contributions are they going to get? Um, you know, and obviously the, you know, Riley Green and, and Torkelson are right there. You know, what kind of contributions are going to get them from them? That's right. You know, your BFF, uh, Tucker Barnhart, you know, what's he going to do for this team? Um, oh, now he's my BFF. He's it always BFF. changes who you say yeah. my BFF is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, with with, uh, with every column, it changes, Sean. So uh, whoever you're cheerleading that week is is the, the, the BFF. But, yeah, you know, and that, that's the thing yeah. is you, yeah. you sense – I mean, I sense that from just – probably fans do too is just there's more promise you know from young players from some of the young veterans or the eric Hosses out there all that um you know i think that there's there's promise there and that's where you know it's always in, in baseball they always talk about talent you know talent pitchers do they have this you know what kind of stuff do they have all these different things right um so so that's where that's where we have to see uh you know um Spencer Turnbull, right? Is he going to make the? Is he going to play the season? They're not sure. You know, he's he's still coming back from his injury. Um, he was a big loss last year. You know, after that no hitter. Um, so it all has to fit together. You know, what's Miggy going to contribute? Um, but there's there's hope there, and I and I think that's that's what the what what the players sense is. We have some talent here. Does it all come together? And that's the question about any team, really. You know, unless you got your established juggernauts like the Dodgers and the, the Astros and these kind of teams. Um, you know, it's always can can we pull it all together? Can we stay healthy? Can we can we get hot at the right time? Can we avoid big slumps? You know, whatever it is. Um, but I think there's hope for the Tigers, you know, and, and I don't know, nationally, I don't know if there's that much expectation for the Tigers, you know, but probably not, but I don't think anybody would be shocked if they make the playoffs, you know? No. And, and the other thing too, and the players don't say this directly, although maybe a little bit, but, uh, they know that their manager is one of the best in the game. Right. And that they're going to yep. get maximized in every way. God, I hate the, the way that sounds, but they're going to be, he's going to put them in positions uh, to, to give them a chance. And then it'll be up to them, of course. But it's just the, the way he teaches, what he stresses, yeah. um, the way he manages the game, just the, the way he carries himself. I mean, he's – yeah, he's really good. And and I think that gives them certain kind of confidence too, right? Because he understands what it – he recognizes what, what really good baseball looks like. 
And that's what we, you know, getting back to the last segment, you know, uh, if, if Todd is still awake from in this segment, but if he remembers from the first segment, that's the whole thing. You've been there. If you've been, have you been there? AJ Hinch has been there. So that's what gives you a lot of confidence, you know, the player's confidence. Um, and the thing is, the thing I like is that they're not shying away from it. AJ Hinch is, I mean, they kind of couch it. Hinch has couched it in. The goal for every team I've had is to win the division, you know, and to make the playoffs. And But Al, Al Avila is talking about it too. You know, our goal is, you know, do we, you know, the, the playoffs. So they're not hiding from it. They're not saying we'll see. Uh, you know, there's, there's a concerted effort to make the playoffs this year to do what it takes um obviously they have to circumstances change if there's injuries you become sellers not buyers whatever the trade deadline but but it's there there's that that hope is there that that intention is there um so if everything if things bear out you know we're going to be on that path to see this tiger team probably moving toward the playoffs sometime in 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 august and into september hopefully no it would it would be fun it just reminds you to just the feeling down here I, i've not been down to spring training for a bit but but i had been down a couple times you know when they weren't competitive at all and just i know what it feels like down here when they think they're competitive and and you know you feel it back up you feel it up up north and fans feel it and it's fun there's there's nothing like uh a team that's in a day-to-day chase for the postseason right especially when they haven't been in a while it's uh it's it's a really compelling theater and um along with the young pitchers as we mentioned green and torkelson i think both of them will probably make the team um at some point uh we'll probably see them i would imagine some point this summer but those are two of the better prospects in all of baseball and it's been a while since two guys have kind of come up at the same time or within similar time period was just with this much promise so i think they'll the fans are going to enjoy that so there's a lot to look forward to um you never know injuries uh, you're right slumps all that but uh for now uh you know it's march man and um and you can be as hopeful as you want let's uh take one more break carlos and come back and we'll talk about the academy awards and uh, will smith and chris rock and um the way we kind of have talked about this since that happened i know you have a lot of thoughts and i'm uh, really looking forward to hearing them we will be right back with more of the Free Press with Sports with Carlos and Sean. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slaurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom has spent a decade plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, you've been waiting for this segment uh, for two segments, uh, I think, which means you've been waiting for it all your life. To talk about what happened at the Academy Awards Sunday night uh, out in L.A. when Will Smith uh, took umbrage with a joke Chris Rock made about uh, his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, if I'm not mistaken, and it had to do with her her hair. And um, 
I think everybody knows what happened at this point. I don't want to belabor this uh, anymore. I would just want to hear what you have to say, Carlos, because you specifically wanted to talk about this. And, uh, you know, the floor is yours, my man. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's 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 been so hard. The thing I've been looking for in whatever I've been reading and, and you know, um, trying to figure out through conversations with friends, with my wife, with um, whoever it might be, is there's just no consensus on this. You know, everybody's coming at it from their own experience, and everybody has their own prism through which they're viewing this. And you know, all these. Uh, the thing is, there's a lot of points that are valid, but there's no there's no cohesiveness. Sometimes we we want that. We want that sort of closure on who's saying the right thing here. What and it's going to be. I think my wife had a good point. She said that, uh, you know, it's going to take a while for somebody to really sort of distill this. Um, that may be a think piece down the road, um, you know, weeks, months, maybe years, some, some academic who's going to have to look at this. Um, but I think it was, it's, it's such a, it was such a flashpoint in our culture in American culture, um, that resonated throughout the world, obviously, because Academy Awards is a, you know, international broadcast, um, and I, it was just something that was so hard to process. And I didn't see it when it happened in real time. We'd come back from a trip. We watched about an hour of the show. Um, we always watch it. We always record it. And we went to bed. And then we got up in the morning. And my wife, the first thing she tells me in the morning is, don't even bother trying to... I, I started to tell her, do you want to watch the rest of the Academy Awards at lunch? She goes, don't even bother. It's going to get... there. I get, I'm going to tell you what happened because I went on the internet... And everybody's going to be talking about this in our Zoom chats and Zoom meetings. And I couldn't, it was hard to even focus for, for about half an hour, even without having seen it. And it was such a, it was such a, to me, when, at the end of the day for me, you know, I've always looked up to, I've always, I've always appreciated what Chris Rock has meant to our culture. You know, Will Smith, I've always liked their work. Um, I've been fans of theirs. It was really hard to see that happen. Um, and I, I was sad. I was, I, I was sad about it and on different, many different levels. And it was when we went back and watched it and to see Will Smith after he accepts the award, after it's, all that happens and he's crying and it's this testimonial, it was just brutal. It's one of the, it was one of the most brutal pieces of live television I've ever seen, I think. And, uh, I'm still sad about it, Sean. Well, I mean, yeah, no, it was – I feel the same way I, for for several different reasons. And I think lots of things can be true. You're talking about – you're right. Everybody has their own vantage point. And our friend and uh, former colleague Jamel Hill writes for the Atlantic Magazine and hosts a, a pretty influential podcast and um, I think called Unbothered. And anyway, she wrote a piece for the Atlantic, I want to say, last night. And she started off by saying – she she'd gotten on a red eye flight out of L.A. from New York, and shut her phone off like you. So didn't hadn't seen or heard about it, and then landed five hours later and had, you know, six hundred text messages, whatever, regarding what had happened. And her 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 basic piece a point, and and a lot of other people have made this point too. But her basic point was that it, it depends on where you are and, and and who you are and where you grew up and how you grew up and how you see this. And she kind of boiled it down to. The, the black community in this country and the white community in this country, not that either one are monolithic, they are not, are having very, very different conversations about what happened and what it means and why it happened 
and all of that. And uh, I, I felt like that was kind of her point. Uh, I think I think other folks have made the similar point. I, for me personally, not that anybody uh, cares, not that I need to weigh in on this. Just my my thought on this is that that a lot of different things can be true at the same time, and I, I think that's often how it is in life when we're we're trying to make sense of something, but it's nuanced and layered and complex. And 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 that's this, Carlos. Chris Rock um, made a joke about Jada's uh, Pinkett Smith's hair. And she has a condition, a medical condition called uh, alopecia. And you can look at that joke and say, okay, she's punching down. And a lot of times comedians do that, and, and maybe you have to be able to take that. Um, is that fair? I don't know. I, I tell you what, he's going to reconsider, especially in those settings, who he's punching down at, right? So, And, and I don't think that's the worst thing. And I know a lot of people say, look, your comedian shouldn't have any restrictions. They should be able to say what they want to say. And that's true. They should. But it's not fair to pull them out of culture or society and say, well, they can do whatever they want and say whatever they want without consequences. So that's one. He punched down. And um, and I bet he would reconsider that moving forward. The, the other thing is that Will Smith obviously should not have reacted the way he did. I mean, uh, physically. And I think it's okay to say he shouldn't have slapped him. He shouldn't have slapped him. You know, you can you can empathize with what he was feeling in that moment, sort of nervously chuckling at the joke, looking over to his wife, seeing her reaction, and bothering her, and then getting triggered in that moment, feeling protective, feeling all sorts of things. I mean, they've been very public with some of the struggles of of their relationship in their life. You know, then he'd written, somebody pointed out he'd written in his memoir. I've not read it. Kind of his mom getting abused and him feeling powerless to do anything about that when he was young. And you wonder how much of that's in there. So clearly, to sit there and initially chuckle at that joke, as he did, and then almost immediately get into this point where you literally walk up on the stage of the Academy Awards in front of, as you mentioned, hundreds of millions of people all over the world, and slap somebody. And to do that in that moment, knowing, and then to go back and then to yell out with the intensity and almost rage that he did, had in the tone of his voice you know get get your get my wife's name out your mouth out your effing mouth to do that to get there that quickly clearly there's something he's struggling with and so i i have empathy for that because we all have those internal demons yes he should not have slapped no it's it, it, yes it's also okay to understand maybe where he's coming from and to think that chris rock Maybe he needs to rethink a little bit about who he's taking shots at in those situations. I think it all can be true, and um, and I you know maybe that's what Jamel Hill and others have have tried to make the uh, tried to say. Yeah, it can all be true. I mean, I think that I think Will Smith recognizes. You know, he he apologized. You know, when he gave his acceptance speech, he knew it was wrong to do it. Um, you know, I think that it's obviously. The thing that's a big concern, you know, whether it's Will Smith's legacy going forward and and how he atones and how, you know, sincerely contrite he's going to be in this. I think that that damage control will be there. I think that there are enough people, you know, in his camp who can help him with that and manage this. And there's going to be a sit down with Oprah, I'm sure, in the near future. And uh, it'll all be fine. Just the way the Jawan Howard face slap was fine, too. Um, It gets smoothed over with time. People forget about it. 
And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, equity that Will Smith has built up in his public persona. It's all going to help him out. Um, but, you know, the thing is, you look at it is this is not the worst joke anybody's ever said no, at anybody's not. expense at the Oscars. It's a lame you know, joke, right? Just imagine. Would you agree with it? It's a it's a it's a dumb it's a dumb joke. Yeah. It's also a bad joke from Chris Rock, who did a doc- documentary about black women's hair called Good Hair. Which is the other part of this you know? underlying, right? Yeah. I mean, it's. You're being hypocritical by, you know, he understands this more than anybody and to take a shot at somebody. Absolutely. And that's the thing to Absolutely. me, more than more than being a woman with Jada Pinkett Smith, any of that. But the thing that bothers me is this is a this is a condition that, you know, a medical condition, something that she has no control over to belittle somebody. If you, you might as well make fat jokes at this point, if you're going to do that. I don't understand how. They let that joke go through. I mean, honestly, they should have they just didn't. said, "Listen, man, this is this is." They didn't. It was ad libbed. I read. It was ad libbed. Well, that yeah. was okay. I, 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 then that's I saw, that's, I saw that last that's night. terrible. It is, and, and but it, he didn't deserve to be slapped, and and no other comedian because if that's the bar, then anybody can walk up there and slap whoever the next host is or the next. No, presenter. you're right. What it would, the standards that were set, what we're going to accept. On the other hand, too, you know, there are a lot of folks, and this again's back getting back to Jamel's point. A lot of folks in the black community, especially in, in social media who are expressing opinions about, not opinions, but talking about this issue of a black women's hair and how how diff- and how tricky that's been in this culture for decades and day, hundreds of years, and black women feeling pressure to conform to white standards of beauty. So that's underlying this also, right? And I don't know if Will Smith is thinking that in that moment, but maybe he is. I, I, it's not for me to say it and get into his head that way. But there's been a lot of talk about that, a lot of consideration of what that tapped into. And, um, at, you know, Jamel's point about the different conversations, you, think, you know, in the white community, a lot of it's been, okay, we can't have violence. Is this the standard? We're going to set your point about the comedians in the future. And that's all fair. On the other hand, how, a lot of black women feeling those kind of jokes at some point start to feel like their own kind of violence, even though it's not physical violence. It feels violent because you can't be true and your identity gets negated and all of that. And you stack decade after decade after decade of that. Um, And that, you know, that's a very powerful thing. So those are the conversations to me that we're trying to to get through. And uh, and I, I don't think they're bad to have at all. Do you have Jamel's phone number? Because if you do, it'd, it'd be nice to call her and tell her that there's more than just black and white culture in this country. Maybe that'd be good for her to maybe weave into her next Atlantic think piece. Well, I mean, she's writing from her perspective. You, I, I, your, your point's a good one, you know, right? Brown folks uh, and mm-hmm. all sorts of other folks. But, um, yep. yeah, I guess in that, in that moment, you're right. And her reaction was based on who's talking to her and social media and but you're you're absolutely right and then the idea and i feel like I, i'm not speaking out of turn or school here but i i'm not an authority obviously on any of this but the other idea carlos is that um within the black community i've seen a lot of folks arguing about does that does what will smith did hurt all black folks like oh my god we're getting up here and this is how we're going to behave and then other black folks saying no who cares what white people think why do we have to center around the idea of white identity and why is what will smith did why should that affect how any other black person is perceived and that's absolutely true and that's been it's been an issue for a long long i mean since the beginning of this country so that's there's a heaviness to that too in this part of the conversation oh yeah for sure i mean that's 
that's always that's always tricky, you know, for uh, uh, you know for for people of color, for minorities, you know, for women, you know, at the at the highest profile, people carry a burden of representation, you know, and it's it's uh, it's a it's a mighty weight for people. Absolutely and, crushing sometimes, and it's, right? It is, and it's not just it's not just the white folk who make these judgments. It's the rest of the world. It's your own community. It's you know, speaking as a person of color, like, you know, it bothers me when someone who's a high profile Latino or Latina does something weird or dumb or something that's that's disapproved of in the, in the general culture. And people weigh in and they make presumptions and assumptions about, you know, culture like it's one thing, like, you know, everybody, all black folk are one kind of person and what, you know, it's just it's silly. Um, and a lot of that, unfortunately, is also the the you know, the fault of the media at large, you know, I mean, it, these things, and th- this is a good example is these are deep dives, man. These are things that co- have many perspectives and really take a long time to unravel. But, you know, frankly, in our haste to get things out there to provide people with information, content, whatever you want to call it, there's, there's quick, you know, there's, there's rushes to judgment you know, quick perspectives, quick takes, whatever it might be. And I think that's one of the things, you know, I don't want to get too go too hard on Jamel. And I understand, I appreciate that she was writing something very quickly. And, uh, you know, if I had been an editor at The Atlantic, I would have said, you need to reconsider that it's not just black and white people in this country. You know, you should understand that. You can't just, it's, it's, a, it's an easy trope to go with, black, white, but you need to think a little bit differently here about that. And they will. I'm sure that the Atlantic will have a longer think piece, but she's a contributor for them and uh, she had something to say. I appreciate her take. Um, but it's hard, you know, it's 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 hard to um to represent um a community with a lot of people on you and then knowing that that judgment's gonna come down harshly when when something goes wrong and it's you're gonna you're gonna bear the weight of well this is all black folk tend to fight sometimes at picnics and whatever the you know the dumb tropes are out there. No, for sure. And I, it's what's what's too bad is that you know the movie that Will Smith won the Academy for, uh, King Richard. I don't know if you've seen it or not. He plays uh, the uh, Richard Williams, the father of Serena Venus, Venus Williams, and his personality. But but in the movie, um, there there are parts where he and others are talking to, to young Venus and Serena about what they're going to endure. Right when as they come up, if they become the players that the family thought they could become, they were going to carry the black community. They were going to carry the dreams of every little girl who was of, of black or any other color who wanted to get into that white, largely white tennis world. Right, mm-hmm. and that and you watch it in the movie, and you know this, and you and you know this watching when it all unfolded in real time. You know, starting twenty five years ago, whenever it was. When they broke into the scene, you know that then, but you see this moment in the movie and you think about that that power, that and that weight, and how unfair that is. Right? Oh yeah. But they do, you know. It was the same with Tiger, right? Uh, um, no, somewhat. It's not, not maybe not quite the same, but it was similar to Tiger. He had to carry himself in a, in a way, uh, in in a different world, and it's uh, it's not fair at, at all. But um, in any case. I'm glad you wanted to talk about this, uh, Carlos. There's a lot more to talk about, um, and maybe we can maybe we can have uh, a guest in next week to to mine some more of this if you, if you'd like. 
Um, but in any case, uh, I think we need to take one more quick break, uh, if that's okay with Tad. He's nodding. His, he's giving us the thumbs up. And come back, and you can do your favorite thing, because I don't have one. This is my favorite <gasps> thing. You have to have one. Okay. No, we'll, 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 we'll think of something. We will, though. We'll think of something. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to pay some more bills, and we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Hey, it's Sean Windsor, and I'd like to tell you about the new sports app we've launched as part of our USA Today family. USA Today Sports Plus is the new sports app that puts fans first. Get the latest scores, stats, and standings, and enjoy interactive experiences with our award-winning sports writers, which obviously does not include me. Download USA Today Sports Plus from the Apple or Google Play stores today. USA Today Sports Plus. Fan harder. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, I think it's time for the favorite thing. I would like to know, I would love to know, sincerely, with all my heart, what was your favorite thing this last <laughs> Why week? Why don't you ever go first? You never have a favorite thing. It's always me. So you can steal it. No, I, I have a, no I'm not going to steal it. I have a favorite thing. My back is sore from all the piggyback rides I've given you on the on my favorite thing, Sean. And you're, you carry the podcast, dude. Oh, your name is first. Yes. Your name is first. Yeah. We'll see about you carry that. Free press. You carry the state of Michigan. You're the one that's keeping California from stealing the water out of the Great Lakes. You're going to keep this state viable, man. Okay. All right. So here's my favorite thing: is this year we really, um, you know, you may not know Sean, but I'm from California. I'm from LA. They call it Hollywood sometimes. You know, movie capital of the world. So I always grew up watching a bunch of films, a bunch of movies. Um, Always love doing it, um, going to a lot of movies. So my wife and I have always tried to, and she loves movies too. Didn't grow up in L.A. or anything, but we, we met out there. So we'd always go to movies. We'd go to, you know, revivals. We'd go to, uh, you know, screenings. We'd go to, you know, early releases, whatever it was. There's just a whole culture out there to that. Um, and um, so we kind of had a tradition of trying to watch every best um, movie nominated best what is it best picture nominee um, every year and it's they've increased the field so it's kind of been harder to do that and um, so this year we had a lot of and so my favorite thing is that it was all leading up to the Academy Awards and I think we'd finally we choked down drive my car which was brutal to get through like three hours um, of going nowhere in a car uh, and and the disappointment was it's based on a short story by Haruki Murakami, one of my favorite writers. Um, and you could have read that short story. It's like 40 pages, 10 times in the time that they took him to not edit this film. Uh, the favorite daughter or lost daughter with Olivia Coleman, brutal movie. So this is actually a pretty awful year um, for movies. But we were excited to kind of like we were talking about all these different things and we were upset that we both like Encanto. But the best song out of there was uh, we don't talk about Bruno, but that wasn't the one that was nominated. So we had a lot of fun. We were looking forward to watching the Oscars and picking it apart. And then Will Smith and Chris Rock ruined it for us, Sean. So um, I will say the memes that came out of that sap were kind of enjoyable, if nothing else. I see. So it's selfish. So that's why you want to talk about it last yeah. night because they ruined your Oscar night. They ruined my Oscar, and it was. I have well, to say, well, you didn't even find out till the next day. So I, don't, I, know. I you know. But even before that, only the we watched like maybe an hour, hour and a half of it, and it was horrible. The weird stuff, the choices that they were making, the 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 bad jokes from the three hosts. So your favorite thing is that you got a legitimate reason to complain. Oh, you like to do anyway. 
Yeah, well, it was it was just we were getting so excited this was about it. To you. This yeah, was it was. To you. This is my wheelhouse, Sean. I like to complain yeah. about things. I have a critical, I have a critical mind, and um, but it was it, it was mem- it was the most mind, memorable but, uh, Academy uh, Awards you know. of our of our life. <laughs> this is this is the this is the Academy Awards Jack Ruby moment, right? So now you have to watch it every year. Okay, that's that's a good favorite thing, and I'm going to tell you mine. Um, my favorite thing is really quick. Um, uh, okay, let me see if I can make it quick and not have a 10-minute prelude to the favorite thing like Carlos does. <laughs> Let's just see. How, how can I put this? All right, Carlos, let me just say this is the simplest way I can put it. I've been thinking a lot about this because of baseball and the idea of getting out of your own way and clearing your mind and being comfortable with who you are because you cannot succeed in this sport at all as I sit down here in spring training w- w- without some – not clarity as much as just, you know, quiet in the mind and not overthinking and being okay with who you are. And, you know, I talk to players every time I come down here, you hear stories of that. And it's, it's a, you know, it's the, the key to baseball, really, other than having otherworldly hand eye coordination or a, 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 an arm from the heavens if you're a pitcher. But you know this because you're going to late golf to this. It's just that these two sports in particular, obviously, you have to believe in yourself and be okay with yourself in any sport and any endeavor, but particularly baseball. And, and golf. So, I'm in a little diner, Carlos. How was that for a prelude? That was yeah. 65 <laughs> seconds. That wasn't too bad. So, I'm in a little diner uh, recently here in Lakeland um, that's known for its burgers and whatever. And a guy walks in, and he looks like uh, he's out of ZZ Top. Uh, maybe that's not a reference for uh, – I mean, Tad's dad would know who that is. Anyway, he's got short red hair, really, really sort of bright red hair and a long beard. You know, a gentleman who's – He's not a small guy. How about this? And he walks in. He's got this great twang. And there's some confusion about his to-go order. And he's trying to figure out where his to-go order is. And he wasn't sure that it's going to be right because there was confusion on the phone when he called it in. And the gal behind the counter says, well, who did you who did you talk to? And he said, well, I'm not sure because he was clear. He's a regular there and he knows everybody. He said, I'm not sure. All I know is that somebody kept trying to tell me that, 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 that lettuce needed to go on the burger. I'm like, Lettuce. He was so upset that he didn't want lettuce on the burger. And the, the fact that somebody insisted that lettuce had to be on this burger. And he clearly, he didn't mind. Everybody in the diner could hear this. And he didn't care <laughs> at all that that anybody might think and look at him and think, well, well, God, he would never want a vegetable. I mean, why would anybody want a vegetable, right, Carlos? I mean, <laughs> no, it just what I loved about the moment is how he didn't care at all who heard him. He wasn't being obnoxious. He was being kind of fun. And he wasn't bothered by how he looked or the fact that, hey, why would I want a vegetable and a burger? Just give me the burger. And uh, he got his burger, and they said, hey, take care, hon. And he said, I love you all, and I'll be back. And I just – it made me think about, all right, that – whatever that guy has, you know, Akil Badu and Riley Green and Special Tokens, they need that, right? I'm not saying they don't have it, but that's the key. Whatever he had in that moment, that's what you need when you're in the plate or you're on the tee box as you will probably be most of this summer. So uh, in any case, I love seeing that. Um, just a tiny little slice of uh, somebody who is totally at ease with themselves. And you know how that is when you see that, no, no matter where you are. It's uh, kind of a lovely thing to see. So that was my favorite thing. That's a good one. And I, I like you brought it back to food, Sean, as I knew you would. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I try to. I don't want to disappoint you. So in any case, well, listen, Carlos, man, uh, a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to... Can we can we get in a studio again at some point? You think? 
when you come back from your travels, what are you going to Hawaii, Tahiti? Where are you going next? No, 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 no. It's time to come home. I've been out. Wait, I've been out. No, you said that last time. I've enjoyed it. I know. I didn't know I was coming to spring training last week. I, I this kind of, I, if, if I thought this, I thought if I was going to be gone this week, it was going to be New Orleans. If Michigan somehow managed to win a couple of games and uh, they'd be in the final four, because that's where the men's final four is this week. So I was thinking, oh, okay, New Orleans will be fine. I'll stay out another week for that. But um, hey, spring train, spring training's been great. How about the Frozen Four in Boston? You can go do that, man. How about that? It's hockey. You know, I actually was I was talking about that. Uh-huh. Thinking about that, I don't. Yeah, I did. I did think about that. Yeah, but uh, no, I haven't read about Michigan hockey in a long time. That that should be. Who knows? I don't know. We're never going to see him again, Tad. We're never going to see him again. No, 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 no. I'll be back. The itinerant be back. sports writer. I'll be back soon. It's been fun writing about baseball and uh, kind of getting into that rhythm. But it's uh, more fun talking with you, Carlos. And I guess, do we talk to Tad? You know, he still hasn't said a word, but just we can see us, him. Just gives us a disapproving look, Sean. That's and all. he gives us fashion tips. You know, when you marry when you marry the hipster beard with a Carhartt uh, cap, <laughs> ski cap, I guess we could say. You know, that's that's a good combination, don't you think? <laughs> yes. I, 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 I think so, too. In any case, we want to thank Tad, right, Carlos? Yes. Yes. For making this show possible, for producing it, for making us sound, uh, you know, not like total, total fools. I mean, me more than you. I'm a much bigger fool. We want to thank uh, Kirk and Crawford, who we mentioned earlier, the sports editor of this paper, uh, the Free Press. Uh, Anjanette Delgado. Sorry, we didn't mention it much this week, Anjanette, but we actually had some real subjects to talk about. We didn't need the filler. Um, I hope you won't take offense <laughs> of that. Uh, surely you won't. But no, Anjanette, uh, who keeps us on our toes, we want to thank Peter Batia. Whoa, 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 What's her title? You didn't give us her title. She runs the world. What else do you need? <laughs> She's the executive producer of this podcast, and she is the um, executive editor yes. of the Detroit Free Press. Peter Batia yes. is the editor of the Detroit Free Press. He also makes this possible, too. If you like us, uh, you know, f- seek us out at wherever you find your favorite podcast at Apple, Spotify. Once you get there, rate us, subscribe. You know, let us know what you think. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's just going to be Carlos telling me what he thinks, and I don't trust that at all. So I'd much rather know what y'all think. Plus, it'd be good to humble him a little bit. You know what I mean? Never. Uh, I, never. Yeah. No, I think I think that'd be good. In any case, uh, thanks for giving us your time this week. We will see and talk to y'all next week. <laughs>